Okay, I think it's time to start. What we're going to talk about in this second session is um, an accessory prayer. Um, how to pray powerfully. And my name is Janet Page. And we're going to pray for a moment, okay? Again, if you would, just give God permission to talk to you during this time, even if maybe it's nothing I say. That, that just give permission to the Holy Spirit to speak to you, and then I'll close. Our Father, please, Lord, just bless this time now. Oh, I pray, Father, you will speak to each one what they need, even if it's nothing I say. But, but during this short amount of time, please help me to only share what you want shared, what's important. And I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> this is one of my most fun subjects. I just love talking about this because I love seeing our God work. It just, I don't think there's anything more exciting for me. <clears throat> you know, I, you know I, I spent years trying to do the things I wanted to do. My favorite thing was to be in the out of doors, go uh, canoeing, go backpacking. What do you want? Well, I can't do two things at the same time. I'm not multitask oriented. <laughs> and, and I was always dreaming about you know, my next backpacking trip or hiking mountains or whatever. And, and yet I get out doing it and I was always miserable. I thought, what is wrong with me? Why am I so miserable? I'm doing, finally getting to do what I want to do. But do you know that all changed when I had the experience I shared this morning? And I started seeking God first. And I started doing what God wanted me to do with my life. And, you know, what happened was God started giving me the desires of my heart. He started opening up opportunities for me to hike mountains that are over 14,000 feet, one after another and never had this opportunity in my life. I didn't think I would, I couldn't afford to. But he kept opening the doors for me to do all these things and more things that, I, that I'd wanted to do. And it's like if you pursue and you seek God first and, and what he wants you to do in your life, he will take care of the rest. I, I mean, he will bless you. He will work out and bring you those desires. Uh, he, he's just so amazing. But we're gonna talk about intercessory prayer and <clears throat> I remember early on thinking, you know, do we really need to pray? Do we not? Does it really make a difference? I don't know if any of you have those thoughts. But there's a chapter that has been a, such a blessing to me. And I read it over and over and over again. Every sentence is power packed. And it's in Christ object lessons. It's the chapter asking to give. Have you read that? You got to read it. And it was so good that years ago I photocopied it and would carried it everywhere with me. It was just totally worn out and marked it and marked it and marked it. Now with an iPad, I don't need to, but I, I still like my paper copy better. But I have to go lighter weight traveling, so. But, but to read that over and over. And another one, too, that's good is in, is in the book Education called uh, Prayer and, and Faith. And then in early writing, that's a, a powerful chapter. And then in early writings, it's just two pages, and it's the opposite. I think it's faith and prayer there. One of them's faith and prayer, and the other's prayer and faith. But then Steps to Christ, the chapter on prayer. How, how many, you know Mark Finley, right? <laughs> that is a household name. 
I have so admired that man. I've get, working at the General Conference now, I've gotten to know him better. And he is living proof of what happens with someone who eats right and who reads God's word, puts it first. The man's breadth of wisdom is, is huge. But you know what he'll do? I, there's been this big issue, this, uh, there's been a big issue in the church. And, and Mark was asked to do the devotional talk ahead of one of the committees. And Mark takes the book of Acts. And I think it was one particular chapter. It was Acts 12. And or maybe it was the whole book of Acts. But he kept reading it over and over. And over. he read it 40 times. And come to find out, I think he, he does this a lot with God's word. He will read it over and over and just keep praying, Lord, help me to get out of this what you're trying to tell me. You know, instead of just skimming the surface to really dig deep. And it's not that he's reading other commentaries or whatever, but just reading the scriptures over and over for God to really show him. I just had to throw that in here. I don't know why. But <clears throat> anyway, okay, I was talking about asking to give. You got to read that chapter. There's so much in that to show you how to pray and why we need to. But, but one of the, if you want power in your prayers, this is what I believe. And I've found it so true in people's lives. You got to spend time with God and know your God. You know, it isn't about getting answers. It's about having a relationship with the living God of the universe. You know, and he's wanting that relationship with us. And, but out of that comes, you start seeing answers, things happen. But, but number one is having that living relationship with God. The other thing that I find really important is you read in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John about love. How we must love each other. We must love one another. If we're not loving others, God's not going to be answering our prayers. There, there's going to be, you know, that's just, it doesn't, it goes together. But you know what else she mentions in the book and the chapter asking to give? She says that if we're not faithful in our tithe and offerings, you're not going to see God answering. And she quotes Malachi where it says, he says, if you're, you're faithful, I will pour out the windows of heaven on you. So it's important that we stay faithful in our tithe and offerings. And there probably won't be time, but I'd love to go on past the tithe and offerings and just talk about giving what God tells you to give. God has taken Jerry on an, and I on a journey that's just been incredible, <coughs> having us pledge huge amounts of money for evangelism. And, you know, for years I worked all the time for the church and I never received any salary and then I started receiving a little bit and and do you think God ever let me keep it no he always had me give it to evangelism but you know what it wasn't a sacrifice you can't go wrong in doing what God's calling you to do he God kept increasing the amounts kept increasing the amounts and and tell it literally for a number of years it was half of our income between tithe, offering, and evangelism pledge, it was half our income. You, how do you do that? I mean, we're on a preacher's salary. That's not a lot of money. And, and how does that, it does not add up on a piece of paper. But God would do it over and over. And it was the best thing. It drew Jerry and I close together. It used to be, we, well, who spent this? Who spent that? You know, well, that's, you know, this. But instead, we started working together. You know, how can we come up with this money? It just united us closer. And with our kids, you, you know, because they had to sacrifice and give up some things, you think that would make them angry. But it didn't. 
it helped them to grow closer to God. In fact, now, you know, they're both married, they have their families, they do the same thing. In fact, I worry about them because they give so much, pledge so much. I say, how can you do this? They say, mom, you do it, leave us alone. You know, <laughs> we can do it too. <laughs> but God doesn't. Anyway, those are the things, the key things I find. And the other one too, and, and you see it there in Asking to Give and, and other places in our writings, is we must take time every day when we spend that time with God to let God search our hearts. There's too much in Christianity of us just having this nice little devotional time and, and we go to church and we worship God and we don't deal with the sin issues in our life. And it isn't that we have to deal with them, but we need to let God deal with them. But we need to give time and let God search our hearts. And that's not always easy for me because I don't always want to hear what he has to say. But I just keep praying, Lord, give me the courage. And the best way to get courage is being in God's word. In fact, I just read something, and I keep reading it over and over. It was so powerful. I found it on my last trip flying somewhere. In the book, Heavenly Places, uh, I think it's page 128, but she talks about the Garden of Promises and how important it is that we take time and just meditate on the promises of God in His Word and what it'll do for us. And, you know, Satan will come in and try to get you to think this is boring, this is boring, but it is not. You know, I learned as a teenager from Glenn Kuhn. He, and by the way, his book is still in print called The ABCs of Prayer. If you haven't read it, get it. And he's got some other ones, too, that is so good on evangelism uh, for reaching people. <clears throat> but he teaches you, put your finger on the promise, ask, claim, and believe. Thank God that he's done it. So as a young teenager, I started doing that. I put my finger on James 1.5, Lord, I need wisdom. My mother wants me to make good grades. I'm too busy doing other things to make good grades. Lord, give me wisdom so I can make good grades. And every day I'd put my finger on that promise. And, and do you know, I suddenly had this motivation to start studying. <laughs> and instead of sitting in front of that stupid TV, and I started studying and studying and studying. Do you know I went from like a C average to a straight A? And it wasn't God suddenly infused me with wisdom, but he gave me the motivation to start studying. My brother was not doing well and, and was breaking my parents' heart with his lifestyle. So I found this verse, 1 John 5, 16. If you see your brother sinning a sin that does not lead unto death, pray and God will give him life. I said, well, you know, that applies to anybody. It doesn't have to be just a brother. But I started putting my finger on that promise every day. I said, Lord, convert my brother. Save my brother for your kingdom. And it didn't happen overnight. It took many months. But God did it. Uh, he's a preacher, giving Bible studies, winning people to the Lord. It's amazing. But, you know, in, in uh, seeing those answers, you realize we need the intercessory. I mean, we need the private time with God praying. But if we really want to see things happen, I'm convinced we need to pray with somebody else. We need united prayer. This handout, I, you know, I won't really go through it a whole lot here, but I just can't encourage you enough to read it. Uh, there's a lot of good things the Lord has led us to, to put together in it. There's a, a couple of pages there on abiding in Christ and how to have that new beginnings in God. And it's just powerful stuff. It, it came from Pastor Dale Lehman. He doesn't know I have it in there. I probably should tell him, right? But anyway, it's, <clears throat> it's really good in helping you with that experience with God. But 
there's a section on, on principles of intercessory prayer that, that is really good. Of why? Why do we need to do it? Why is it important? And, and you, you read in the Gospels, Jesus, Jesus did so much of it. Why would Jesus need to pray so much for the disciples and for people? And you read Ellen White's writings. I love Evernote. My, my son, Zach, he, he uh, has shared Evernote with me so I can see what he's finding and find all the, read all the new quotes and things that he's finding. But just there's so much about the prayer, power of prayer, and how it will change people's lives if we will keep at it. I had a woman call me up one day. She had, uh, <clears throat> I didn't know her really well. She was a woman in the community, a church member. But she said to me, I've been married 32 years today. And I said, congratulations. And she says, I want out. And I go, you want out? She said, yeah, I'm miserable, he's miserable. In fact, I packed my car with everything I thought I couldn't live without, and I left. She says, I'm driving down the highway, and I start praying, Lord, I know you don't like divorce, but I don't know what to do. I'm miserable, he's miserable. I can't take this anymore. What do I do, God? Right then, she sees a huge white billboard, and on it, in big black letters, it says, turn back now, next exit. She took that as from God, and came back home, and what led her to call me, I don't know, I never asked her. But she calls and tells me, so she's telling me all this, and I'm thinking, God, I'm not a marriage counselor, what do you want me to do with this, you know, privately praying. And I felt like God was saying, offer to pray with her once a week for her marriage. And I said, well, how long once a week? And I felt like God said 40 minutes. So I said, okay. I said it to her, I'm not a marriage counselor, but I'd be willing to get together with you once a week and pray for your marriage. She says, oh, I'd love that. So we started meeting once a week to pray for her marriage. And the first time we met, she started pouring out all the horrible marriage she had, the horrible man she's married to. I would encourage you, like in a prayer group, you know how people will meet to pray. Does anybody have any prayer requests? And she'll give one, she'll give one, she'll give one. We'll start counseling her. Well, did you try this? Did you do this? Uh, did you do that? Oh, oh, we're out of time to pray. Well, we don't have time to pray. Well, could you just pray real quick and then we'll leave? Do you know what we've done? We have just made Satan so happy because we did not pray. The power's in the prayer, not the talking about the prayer request or the counseling the prayer request. And he loves it. So I learned from that experience that when I meet with, with people to pray, let's just pray our prayer requests and we'll come in and pray that same, pray about it too. And people won't go on and 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 on about their prayer requests when they pray it. They'll pray it shorter. And especially you want to encourage them to pray it shorter. That's the other thing. Is you, maybe you like it. I, I personally have a hard time with the long prayers. Yeah. I, and I, you think you're not spiritual because you can't stay with their long prayer. And <clears throat> so... Years ago, we started doing just the short sentence prayers, just one subject at a time. And it is so much fun. And, and, and I believe that it gives the Holy Spirit a chance to impress us how to pray. Because as we're just praying back and forth, you know, instead of me just spewing out everything I can right now and then you pray, I'm giving God a chance to impress me how he wants me to pray. 
And plus, it's so much fun. I'll never forget the first time I did it. I was driving down the highway, picked up Zach from school. He's complaining about somebody or whatever at school. And I said, well, Zach, let's just pray about it as we drive home. We'll just pray short sentence prayers. He goes, don't close your eyes, mommy. You know, which, of course, I didn't. But that was the beginning of us doing that kind of thing. And Jerry and I started doing it. Before, Jerry had asked me to pray with him. And we'd usually be in bed by the time we'd do it together. And, you know, he'd pray this long prayer. And then I'd start praying. And pretty soon I'd hear him snoring. And it was, we changed that to just doing the short sentence prayers. What a difference that's made. And now, you know, our social life is to walk. We walk together. And we'll spend that time just praying back and forth. Starting off with praise and confession and going into intercession. We see so many answers in doing that. And driving down the road in a car, when we used to travel a lot by car, we would sit and pray back and forth. Um, so back to my story. So I'm meeting with her, <clears throat> and I encouraged her. I said, okay, from now on, we're not going to talk about this marriage problem. We're just going to pray about it. And I said, also, I want you to commit to spending time with God every day. Will you do that? She says, okay, I'll do that. And at the time we first started meeting, this woman just, oh, she didn't think God could save her. And, you know, she did this and she does this. And she had no assurance of God's salvation. But do you know, as the months went by, her spending time with Jesus, she started having that assurance. She started being filled with that joy. But as we, we were praying for her, by the way, I got to tell you this before I forget it. I meant to say it last time. One of the things I find really helpful in my spiritual walk is to take time, and I try to do it every day, but sometimes I can't, so a couple of times a week, I will meditate on Psalm 22. If not Psalm 22, then Isaiah 53, the last part of 52 and 53. And if not that, Matthew 27, starting like around verse 24 or so. And take that and pray it. Don't just read it. Say, Lord, make it meaningful to me. Break my heart with what Jesus did for me. I don't know about you, but it becomes old hat. Okay, he died on the cross. You know, and it just, you, you lose something. And so I take this every week, a couple of times a week, and say, Lord, break my heart with what Jesus did. Make it meaningful. That is so powerful to do so powerful, and it will enrich your spiritual life. But also to take like Desire of Ages, those last few chapters, Gethsemane, uh, he's, he's in the courtroom with the different um, priests. Pray through those. It'll, it's, it's empowering. It changes your life. And so I'm, I'm meeting with this lady, and we've, we first we prayed for her marriage, prayed for her husband. He had a woman problem running around. And <clears throat> You know what happened after we met and we prayed together? He got worse. They got worse. Their marriage, fighting. And I would like to encourage you that when you meet with somebody or a group and you pray and things get worse, praise God. Give thanksgiving. Because if you've prayed from a sincere heart, God is answering. But we don't know how it's got to look. Isaiah 55 tells us his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We don't understand how God's got to work. But I can promise you he's working. And in that book, Education, that chapter I told you about, she says there, whatever we've asked God for, we need to step out and start thanking him that he's answered. And in his timing, in his way, the answer will come. But we need to believe. We need to step out and believe. And... So we, we started trying to do that. 
And we, and I also got smart finally and started saying, Lord, how do we pray for their marriage? And God led to pray, well, at least we felt like it was God, that God led to pray that it would be put in his mind a love for his wife, that he would see her the way he did when they first got married. And that she would see her husband through God's eyes. And so we, we started praying that. We also started praying that God would give him a pure mind. And we'd meet week after week and we would pray and things would keep getting worse. I got discouraged praying for this couple. In fact, I didn't even want to hear their names anymore. And on top of that, she said, would you pray for my children? She had uh, several adult children who were married, had their own families, and none of them were in the church. None of them had been baptized. Well, one of them had, but three or four of them hadn't. And <clears throat> so we started praying for them, for their families to be converted. And do you know what happened as we prayed for them? They got worse. They start fighting and having problems. Now, they lived in different cities. I never met them. And I complained to God in my worship time. God, you know, I'm so tired of praying for these people and nothing's happening. And, and I just that faint thought, keep at it. Satan is trying to stop you. He's trying to discourage you keep praying. So I did. We kept meeting. We kept praying. We kept asking God, what scriptures do we pray into this man's life? I don't know if you do that, but I find that so powerful to pray scriptures into people's lives. You can take Colossians. You can take Ephesians. You can take so much of God's word and pray it into somebody's life and, and put their name in it. Our son Tyson, he worked at Weimar a number of years and the whole time he kept resisting this urge to take law. And he didn't want to take law because lawyers don't have a good reputation. And he says, I don't want to be like, you know, that way. But he knew God was calling him to. And, and I knew God was. His wife knew it. Finally, he gave into it and he took law. But now he's, he's got to work, you know, almost full time. And he's got a little baby on the way, which means he's got to do law school part time and, and work all day long. When does he study? Well, he wasn't making very good grades to begin with, pretty, pretty low grades. His wife and I started meeting on the phone praying because we lived in different cities. And we started praying Daniel, Daniel 1 into his life, along with other places too. But, but you know, it says Daniel proposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. We started praying that. Lord, we, we pray you'll help Tyson to propose that he will not defile himself in any way. And then on down in verse 9, now God had brought Daniel into favor and goodwill with the chief of the eunuchs. We started praying that for Tyson. Uh, Jerry made fun of that. I hope Tyson doesn't become a eunuch. Well, he didn't. But, <clears throat> but we started praying, Lord, give him good favor with the professors. And you know that started happening? The professors took this real liking for Tyson. And when he graduated, you know, they were giving him awards and honor. I mean, he just had a special relationship with some of his professors. But also... Uh, we were praying, verse 17, as for these four men, young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Well, God never gave, has given Tyson yet all visions and dreams, but he took him from low grades to the third in his class. And we're talking out of the nighttime class and the daytime class when he graduated. He graduated with honors when he graduated. It was such a miracle what God did for him. But do you see what I'm saying? And we'd claim James 1.5 for him too. And anything else. Uh, we prayed Joseph, Joseph into his life. But just God's word is so powerful. And 
So we're praying for this guy, praying God's word into his life and into her kids' lives, and everything just gets worse, worse, worse. Two years go by. This woman, she's having a wonderful experience with God now because she's spending time with God every day. She now has this joy, this assurance that God loves her. And she's, her husband hasn't changed. Everything's the same, but she's happy now. Instead of being angry and depressed and upset, she's happy now. Well, her husband starts to notice. My wife's happy. Why is, what's going on? Why is she happy? So he starts to talk to her to find out what's going on. Why are you so happy? Well, she starts sharing about Jesus. And he comes back to her a few days later and he says, could we start praying together and start having worship together? And she said, yes. Now, she continued to have her private devotions. You don't want to change from having private to just devotions with somebody. But she'd have her private, and then she'd have it with him. And one of the times when they're praying together, do you know what he started praying? He started praying, Lord, give me a pure mind. Exactly the same words we'd been praying for that man for some time. And this couple that were never together, that had this horrible marriage, became like this. They were like young lovers, always holding hands and, and just get it, laughing and giggly all together. And she started going with him. He traveled during the day doing his job. She started traveling with him. And, and they had this big old car. And she would sit right next to him in the car, you know. It was so cute to watch. But they just, it just, it was such a change. <clears throat> oh, sometime later... She got uh, cancer. She was dying. And we had anointed her. We prayed for her to be healed now. She has been healed, but it'll be on the resurrection morning. And she called me to her bedside, and she said, Janet, I just want to thank you that you took time out of your busy schedule to pray with me about my marriage and, and my salvation. She says, I don't know how I would have faced death if, that, if I didn't have God. And, and my marriage hadn't been healed. Her, her husband, not knowing that she'd done that a while later, pulls me off to the side and says the same thing to me. I can't thank you enough that you took time out of your busy life to pray with my wife, because I don't know how we would have faced this, but, but our marriage has been healed, and, and now you know we have peace. We're told, and it's, it's in your handouts too on, on page 25, in Testimonies to the Church, volume 7, page 21, it's number seven. It says, why do not believers feel a deeper concern for those who are out of Christ? Why do not two or three meet together and plead with God for the salvation of some special one and then for still another? And I find that so true. And you look at under one. It says here, it quotes first Matthew 18, 19, and 20. You know that verse. If two shall agree together... Uh, on earth as touching anything they shall ask it shall be done for them of my father who's in heaven for where two or three are gathered together in my name there I am in the midst Matthew 18 19 and 20 ask of me and I will answer your prayers and on down it quotes Ellen White says the promise is made on condition that the united prayers of the church are offered and in answer to these prayers there may be expected a power greater than that which comes in answer to private prayer and there's other places where she talks about this. But isn't that powerful? The, the power given will be proportionate to the unity of the members and their love of God for one another. 
You see, I'm convinced the reason God allows more power to be available when we pray together is because he wants us to love each other. He wants us to be in unity. Galatians 6 says to bear each other's burdens. What better way to bear somebody's burdens than in prayer, than to pray for them? But <clears throat> this, uh, by the way, this couple, their kids, I never had met their kids. God moved on their kids. And they started going to a church, went to meetings, and were baptized and came into the church. All of them. Prayer is powerful. So many times I hear people say, we can't just pray, we got to work. Let me tell you what, prayer is work. And, and people who are praying are working. Um, I remember in Central Cal, our prayer group that would meet on Wednesdays, People would come in there all the time to steal my prayer partners away to do some job or to do something because they knew these are the people who are doing stuff. Jerry would take different ones to become lay pastors because they're soul winning. They're winning souls. People who are spending time with Jesus every day. You consistently keep doing that. You will start seeing people won to the kingdom. You can't help but it not to happen because God will start using you. To, to do that. And, but you know, we, we um, in, uh, in Central there, we were, God compelled me to start a prayer group at the office on Wednesdays. And I didn't want to do that. I was scared to go to the conference office. And, but he just kept after me and after me. And it isn't I knew it was God. It's just that thought. And I was just so troubled, burdened with it. And finally, and I, you know, I had prayer groups I met in. But I didn't want to go to the office. And finally I said, okay, I'm going to do it. And I just have such a peace come over me. I know it's God. And I said to him, I said, well, how long? Do, how often? And I said, well, and I decided I'm going to do it once a month. And I said, how long? And I felt like God was saying, do it from 10 to 1, three hours. Now it sounds like 10 hours, three hours, you're going to pray. Uh, but we did the short sentence kind of prayers. And I'm telling you, the time flies by. And people love it. At first, when they kept coming, I kept apologizing to them. Thank you for doing this. Even at camp meeting, I have this big prayer team, and I tell them, thank you for taking time to come and pray for camp meeting. They finally, they told me one day, Janet, will you stop it? I said, stop what? They said, stop thanking us. We're the ones that are so blessed by doing this. You know, it's a blessing to come and pray. So I quit thanking them. But, <clears throat> but we'd meet once a month. But when we'd meet to pray, I just, this obsession in my brain, you got to do it once a week, you got to do it once a week. And I go, no, 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 nobody has time to do it once a week. I don't have time to do this once a week. But finally, after many months, I said to them, you know, I've got to do this once a week. And they go, oh, for three hours? And I said, yeah, and I realize you can't, but you just come when you can come. Well, they did, once a month. So I'm, I'm pretty much the only one there the rest of the month. People in the office would come in, you know, when they could, but I was pretty much the only one there. And the more disorganized departmental directors would come rushing into my committee room where I'm praying and going, uh, uh, there's nobody in here. Uh, you, you go in the women's lounge and pray. We need this room for our committee. It was embarrassing. And I started crying out to God. I said, God, this is an embarrassment. I'm here to pray and there's nobody here. I said, this is your problem. And you've got to come and pray with me because nobody's here. I want to encourage you that if God is calling you to pray, to start a prayer group, and nobody shows up, or maybe only one person does, don't get discouraged. Keep doing it. Be obedient to what God has called you to do. 
It's God's problem to bring the people. But do you know, over a year went by with it like this. They come once a month, it's pretty much me the rest of the time. After a year, God started bringing the people. And he started bringing so many, we had to move to a bigger room. And, and, and it was a lot of guys, big guys. I was scared sometimes, it was just them and me. <clears throat> but you know, one, my point in that is it isn't just women that pray, men pray too. And, but, but be obedient to what God's calling you to do. And, but, but so we start seeing these miracles happening. And, and Jerry, I, I would get prayer requests from him because he's president of the conference and he had all these burdens and needs. And so we started praying for all these things that he wanted prayer for. And we started seeing miracles. And I thought, people are going to believe in United Prayer. They're going to believe. People don't always believe. And it really discouraged me, bothered me that people didn't believe. And so I started praying and praying, Lord, and we pray it in our little group. God, give us a token, something that will show to people what will happen when we pray together, that it really unleashes your power. Well, out of that, God led us to start praying for our evangelism offering that's taken up at camp meeting. And that's the only place they have to raise money for it. And... <clears throat> And they'd gotten like 100000 the the year, the first year that we were there. And, and then this next year, we started praying as a prayer group for 125000 We thought, this will show people. Well, God doesn't just bring in 125. He brings in like 135 or so. It was, uh, it was, God's always brought it in more than we prayed for. And, and so we ended up sharing it with, with the uh, audience. And they're all going, wow, you know, our God's alive. And they started joining and praying, too, about it. And so the next year comes, and, and the whole year before that, the prayer partners are saying, let's pray for 300,000. And they did, and God brings it in over that. And then they start praying for a half a million. God brings it in over that. And we kept praying. And then one of the prayer partners one day calls me up and says, we're going to pray for a million. I go, <laughs> sure, okay. This is when the economy crashed, the, the um, stocks had gone, there's a, you know, just a lot of problems. And everybody's saying, no way can it happen. We'll be fortunate if we get 100,000. Do you know it came in like 700 and some thousand? It just kept building. And I'll never forget the year it came in at a million. And it didn't come in just at a million. It comes in over a million. It was like, I think, 300,000 over a million, something like that. But the beautiful part that was happening was God was taking all of us on a journey with him. Because people, you know, they, they, it was a freak thing that happened. Jerry's complaining, I want to get up and ask people for money. And I said, oh, I'll do it. Because he said they make him get up twice and ask for the money. And I said, oh, I'll do it. And I was joking. But he says, good, you do it tonight. You do it Friday night and I'll do it Sabbath morning. <laughs> and I said, okay. I didn't want to admit that I was joking. And so, so I, I, it was right before the Friday night meeting, and I just came to our cabin to change clothes, and I go rushing back to my pr the prayer team, and I go in there, and I just fell down in the middle of them. I said, pray for me. i got to get up and ask for the offering tonight. This was in the beginning of us praying for God to take the offering bigger. And they laid hands on me and just really prayed for me. I'm not an articulate person. It just does not come easy to speak. And I'll never forget, I, I get up, headed up on that platform, and I'm going, God, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what I'm going to say. What am I going to do? And I get up there to the mic. I'm looking at this audience, and I go, 
I want Jesus to come. I don't want to see my parents die. We need Jesus to come. Would you just pray and ask God what you should give for evangelism? <laughs> and do you know, th that's also at that time, God starts working on me. Well, you're asking them. You ask me how much you should give. And that's when God took me on this incredible journey of, of us giving huge amounts. But so we had everybody pray about what they should give. And do you know what happened through the years? People started praying together as couples or just praying and asking God. They started pledging huge amounts of money that they never would have humanly come up with because there's no way they could have done it. But God started taking them on journeys. A secretary in the office decides to pledge $5,000. She doesn't have that kind of money. But by the, by the time camp meeting came, she'd paid it off and Lord had given her a house or helped her work out to get a house. She, I, he didn't totally give it to her. Um, but just all kinds, we started having all these testimonies, people getting up front, sharing how God had helped them. People started by March having their pledges paid off and were so blessed that they kept turning in more money. When people pledge money, usually like 89% actually comes in. I remember that first few years, like 110%, 111% was coming in. That doesn't happen. But it was people wanted to get on board and were giving and, and give even more. But do you know? People still didn't believe. They doubt. They just think this is happening. People would call up the office. They never asked to talk to me. They'd call up and talk to our communications lady and say, how do you do this? And she'd go, well, <clears throat> we pray. And they'd say, well, we know you pray, but how do you really do it? How do you really do it? Our, our academy, our academy, when we first moved there to Central, they were, gonna, they were looking that they might have to shut it down. They only had... Um, they were like almost $2 million in debt. And they, they, they didn't have that many students. The buildings are falling apart. And Jerry comes home. He said, Janet, they want to shut down camp meeting. They voted already to do that. They want to, the academy's not doing well. What are we going to do? And we said, we know what we need to do, Jerry. We need to get prayer partners praying. And Jerry composed a letter asking for prayer partners around the conference. It was sent out in the union paper. And at least 300 at that time send up, signed up. And then at camp meeting, another 300 or so signed up. And we started sending them out a letter and asking them, you know, if you believe in our academy, would you please pray for God to bring the money we need to pay off the debt, bring the right principal, bring students, help us fix up the buildings. If you believe in camp meeting, pray. The, the conference committee voted for Jerry to try one more camp meeting before they sold the place and, vote, and shut it down because they'd already voted to close it down. And he said, please let me just try it once. I got to see. And so they did. And so we started getting everybody praying, pray that God will so fill it with people, that God will so fill it with his presence that people will know we need to have camp meeting because we'd always seen it be the life of a conference. Do you know what's happened with that camp meeting? So many people started coming. And even that year, there was many, many that came. Then it came to the point people were fighting to get into camp meeting. Long registration list to be able to get in there. But the beautiful part was, that first year, you know, we prayed so much for God to fill it with his presence. The, the Sabbath before camp meeting started, we'd get out and walk the grounds and pray over everything. Pray for God to heal marriages, convert kids, pray over every meeting place. People who deliver trailers for people to lease during the week, have said over and over again, we don't know what goes on on these grounds. But when we arrive on these grounds, no matter how troubled and upset we are, a peace comes over us. 
the manager of one of these leasing companies told one of the ladies, she called up to lease a, a trailer, and she said, you know, we all talk about it. There's something about your grounds. When we come on those grounds, no matter how troubled or upset we are, a peace comes over us. You know, we, we tried, um, I don't know if any of them ever came to camp meeting or not, but we were always inviting these guys that delivered these trailers, you know, come, come to the meetings. But, but that first year when we were so praying for God's presence, a lady had something go wrong with a refrigerator in her trailer. And a guy, repairman was called, he came and he tried to fix it. He couldn't and he had to get a part. And he comes back and puts in a part. She says, how much do I owe you? And he says, nothing. She says, but, but you got a part, you spent all this time fixing it, you've been here twice, I owe you money. He says, no lady. He said, lady, there's something going on on these grounds and I don't want to charge money. I'm telling you, there's something about specifically praying over your churches, over your areas. Ron Halverson, I don't know how many of you have ever heard of him talk about prayer walking. And by the way, I'm not talking about the prayer walking that some preachers are against of casting out demons or territory. I'm not talking about that. All I'm talking about is getting out and praying for God to work. There's something about walking an area, <coughs> whether it's a neighborhood or a city, that opens your eyes, that helps you to see how to pray for places. Whereas if you just stay in a room and try to pray, you, you, you run out of ideas sometimes. And so walking those grounds has done so much. One of the times <clears throat> I had this urge, pray that the people cleaning the restrooms will be converted. At that time, early on in my experience, I didn't even know how much it were cleaned or what. Come to find out, because of thousands of people coming to camp meeting, they had to have somebody there almost 24-7 cleaning them. So we started praying at the prayer walk for people cleaning the restrooms to be converted if they needed to. And then when the prayer, whole prayer team came in, all during the week they kept praying this. Do you know that year we saw three people come to Jesus Christ that cleaned the restrooms? Amen. And nobody can take credit for these answers. It's totally a God thing. God lays it on your heart to pray these things. And what's so exciting about that, if God's laid it on your heart to pray it, your job is to keep praying it till he answers because he's going to answer. I don't know how soon or when, but he's going to answer. But the year, you know, the offering had come in at, at um, <clears throat> a million and then a million the next year. And then uh, Jerry came to me and he said, Janet, how much do you think we ought to make the gold for? It? And I didn't even want to tell him because he wasn't going to go with what I thought because Jerry wanted to be really careful with it because he's afraid it wouldn't, you know, what if it didn't be the amount they wanted? He didn't want people to be disappointed. And you know, so much money was coming in, they formed an evangelism committee. Because he says, we got to have a committee that'll pray and fast about how to spend this money. And it was so beautiful. You know, we got to start up having a youth evangelism team and Bible workers and, and all kinds of things. Well, I started praying in my worship time. I said, Lord, what should we pray for? I said, not the gold God, but, but just what should we pray for? Just that faint thought, pray for two million. And I thought, I can't tell anybody this. Uh-uh. They're going to think I'm crazy. They're going to think it's a bad idea. It took me a while to finally tell the prayer partners on Wednesday. I started praying it one Wednesday. And just as I thought, one of the guys started saying, oh, we don't need more money. What we need is people to get out and work for God. So it shut me down. You know, I didn't pray it anymore, at least not when he was there. And <clears throat> I pretty much kept it to myself. But then when camp meeting came, 
were there the Sabbath before, walking the grounds. And we'd split up different groups, and, and it was just Jerry and I, the conference treasurer, and another prayer partner. And we, we were up in uh, what they used to call um, Parachute Park, the young adults. We were up there, and for some reason that had always been the area where God started impressing me to pray for the evangelism offering. So I'm up there, and I just have this urge, pray for the two million. Now, I'd never told Jerry that I was praying for this. And so I start praying, Lord, could you please let it be two million this year? And there's just silence. And I open my eyes and look, and the conference treasurer's, you know, like this, and the prayer partner's like this. And Jerry's just rolling his eyes to the back of his head like, you know, woman, you flipped now. <clears throat> Do you know that first Sabbath at camp meeting, the offering came in like 100,000, 125,000. It, it put Jerry in a panic because so little came in. It really put him on his face praying. And, but the, by the next Saturday night, the last Saturday night, they were Mike and Jerry up to speak. He was speaking that night. The offering had come in. It was like 998 uh, thousand, what is that right? It was within a few dollars of being a million, and and he knew that once it was announced, people would be rushing down the aisles to give the last couple of dollars. Well, as they're miking him up, this man comes up to him and he says, "So, uh, how's your evangelism offering going?" And Jerry says, "Really good. We're we're going to make the million. We're worth within a few dollars." And he says, "Oh, that's good." Jerry says, "Yeah, but we got some crazy prayer partners that are praying for two million. And the guy says, "Really, two million?" And he says, you really mean this? They're praying for two million? And he said, yeah. He says, why? He says, well, I met today, this afternoon with my brother. We're going to pray about how much we should give. And he said, I was planning that we would just give like 100000 We thought you'd probably need that to make up the difference so you could make your million. But he says, as we prayed about it, I just felt such an urgency. We need to give a million on top of your million. And when he said this, you know, the guy doing the mic is just going like this. And Jerry goes, really? And the guy goes, but I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't know how. And Jerry came and got me. He said, go talk with him. Go pray with him. And the guy's just worried and nervous about it. Finally, he does it. He takes, with tears in his eyes, he fills out the pledge envelope for a million dollars. And he says, I don't know for sure. We got a lot of things going on. I don't know if this can happen. I'm not sure if it was January or December or February, but I'll never forget when that check for a million dollars arrived. Uh, I took it into the prayer room. We prayed over that. Not that that money was more important than all the other, but it was just a token of, of what it meant. And because the majority of that offering was coming in from little widows who just gave a few hundred dollars or a thousand. It, the majority of the offerings coming in from small amounts of people just giving what they, the Lord let them to give that they could afford to give. But this man, we had uh, been praying. He had a, a building in Las Vegas that was to be a hospital, a veterans hospital. At the last minute, he built this building, and the U.S. government backed out on him. And he's got, you know, how's he going to pay for this? And he's got this. And he took him to court, and he lost. And he told Jerry, tell him to take it off the prayer list. You know, it's lost. And Jerry told me, take it off the prayer list. I says, and I thought, and I prayed about it. I said, I just can't take that off. Uh, this man's given, you know, not just to us, but he, he gives around the world. He blesses so many ministries. I just don't believe this is God's glory for this to happen. And, and so we kept it on the prayer list, and we kept praying, Lord, you got to do something. 
unbeknownst to us, this man took it to court again, uh, appealing, appealing court, appeal, is that what they call it? Okay. I should know. My husband's a lawyer. I mean, not my husband. My son's a lawyer. Uh, <clears throat> but I'm, I'm in Jamba Juice one day. This is months later. The, my cell phone rings, and it's him. And of course, I'm embarrassed because there's this loud rock music <laughs> going on. And, and he starts telling me, Janet, Janet, thank you that you kept praying. Thank you. You didn't take it off the list. I said, why? What happened? He says, well, I took it to court again. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah. He said, and this time, the judge ruled the U.S. government in bad favor. He said, this has never happened before in the history of law. He said, it is such an important case, it's going to be written up in the law books of history. He says, on top of that, the judge made them pay all the, the U.S. government, all the court fees, the lawyer fees. And also, it was either 16 or 17 million pay for this building. I can't encourage you enough. God's called you to pray about something. Do not quit. Keep praying about it. And the Lord may give you peace to stop for a while. But then he'll give you an urgency to pray about it again. But keep meeting in those groups praying. I have people say to me sometimes, you know, oh, our church school is not doing well. Oh, we got so many problems. And I'll say, well, um, have you gotten together with a group of people and do you pray about it? Oh, yeah, we've tried that. Oh, you tried that. How, how long did you try that? Oh, at least three weeks we prayed. I don't know about you, but most of the things I see answered took way longer than three weeks. Sometimes you see things instantly, but the majority have taken way longer. To press those petitions to the throne and to not give up. If you're, you're doubting about prayer, uh, read what we, we put together in here. Read that chapter in Christ Object Lessons. But also, in the Bible, you think of Daniel. Daniel, he reads the 70-year prophecies coming to an end. He could have rolled up those scrolls and said, praise the Lord, God's going to you know, take care of things here. But he doesn't do that. What does Daniel do? He goes to fasting and prayer for three weeks. Yes, ma'am. For me, praying for the same thing over and over again, how do you do it practically? How do you do it? Do you just say the same thing? Do you? Because it wears that? old. Yeah. Well, it yeah, like you just, yeah. well it's like, it. like you're not trusting God. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I start praying, asking God how to pray for this. And I start, I spend more. I've learned to spend more time praising God, thanking Him for how He's worked in the past, which in the beginning of your handout is a whole section on praising God, quotes of how powerful it is. She says, Ellen White says, if you want to see more answers to your prayers, praise God more, give Him more thanksgiving, and you will see way more answers to your prayers. You want better health, praise your God more. She goes on and on, and, and we've tried to... There's way more quotes we could put together. We, but I tell you, I read those over and over and over. They're such a blessing. But, but I, I end up spending a lot more time thanking and praising God that he is answering. Or, or I'll pray, Lord, what scriptures do I claim? Let's take MBA. Uh, we started praying for God to get it out of debt. God did. It was uh, in a matter of a couple of years, he brought in the right treasurer who kept rolling over the money that came in. And it, it was almost $2 million. 
and got them out of debt. But they still got buildings that need to be replaced. And a lot of the alumni came in and started fixing up buildings, but there still needed to be more. So we started praying, God, if you can't get people to do this, Adventists, bring non-Adventists to fix up the school. Do whatever you got to do. We prayed that for, I think, a, a year or so. Do you know what? God brought a non-Adventist who started putting millions into that school to fix it up. How does that all happen? I don't know. You know, I don't see answers to everything. I don't, I don't want to leave you with that impression. There's many things I haven't seen answers to, but I will keep putting them before God's throne till he tells me to quit or he answers. Um, there's more that could be shared, but I, I, we better quit, I guess. It's time. But, I, but before we do, is there any questions? I, I'll tell you what, there's a scripture that I love. In 2 Chronicles 16, 9, I like the way it's worded in the New King James Version. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. God is just looking, looking, looking for a people who he can work in behalf of to show the mighty God he is. In Daniel 11.32, it says, The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploit. God is is wanting to do this in our lives. But you know the stories. I love Elijah. And you know about the Mount Carmel experience, right? Well, this, I came across this in, in uh, it's like volume seven of the commentaries. It's just Ellen White's comments on different things in the Bible. And here's her comment on Elijah. She says, Elijah humbled himself until he was in the condition where he could not take the glory to himself. And this is the condition upon which God hears prayer, for then we shall know, give the praise to him. On down, it says, this is after, you know, the big miracle had happened with the fire coming down. Everybody'd left, and Elijah starts praying. And here she says, the servant watched while Elijah prayed. Six times he returned from the watch, saying, there is nothing, no cloud, no sign of rain. But the prophet did not give up in discouragement. He kept reviewing his life to see where he had failed to honor God. He confessed his sins and thus continued to afflict his soul before God while watching for a token that his prayer was answered. As he searched his heart, he seemed to be less and less, both in his own estimation and in the sight of God. It seemed to him that he was nothing and that God was everything. And when he reached the point of renouncing self, while he clung to his Savior as his only strength and righteousness, the answer came. The servant appeared and said, Behold, there arises a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. It's powerful. Uh, there is so much in Ellen. Uh, the commentaries, volume 7, it's Ellen White's writings, but it, it, does, it lists here, Review and Herald, R.H., May 26, 1891. 1891. But, huh? No, it isn't in there. I, I haven't put that one in there. Sorry. 1891. Review and Herald, May 26, 1891. But there's been put together from Ellen White's writings a book called Prayer. And it's got a lot of this stuff in it. I don't know if it has this particular quote, but it's powerful. But also uh, Teach Publishing put together one, The Power of Prayer. 
and it's really good too. But those books, they'll help you so much about an accessory prayer. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.